You're listening to Warwick Radio Online. The voice of Warwick, Rhode Island. We've got amusement park fun in the Rhode Island sun. Come on down to Rocky Point. Our chowder great, there's pancakes too. The best in fun and games for you. And after dark. Ride the rides and get cool in our saltwater pool. It's a place for family fun. We've got your summer at Rocky Point. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Warwick Life on Warwick Radio. My name is Scott Nerney. I grew up in Warwick and have been a homeowner for over 30 years in our lovely city. My goal with this podcast is to highlight what is special about Warwick and how you can get the most from our seaside community. This podcast is being presented by the Warwick Center for the Arts, located next to Warwick City Hall, where amazing artists showcase their artwork year-round in their beautiful gallery, in addition to many exciting classes for children and adults. Our guest today is George LaCrosse. He's an amusement park enthusiast and manages a website about amusement parks and haunted houses. Welcome to the show today, George. Thank you, Scott. Thanks for supporting our podcast. So tell me a little bit about how you got into looking at amusement parks and fun houses. Well, I grew up uh, probably two miles from the former Crescent Park in the Riverside section of East Providence, Rhode Island. And... um, that was almost to us kids growing up. It was like the having our own Disney World in our backyard. It was an affordable park. Uh, it was smaller than Rocky Point, but they did have a lot of really good rides there. And um, it was a place that you could go, you know, once a month. Most most families and um, they had some very uh, unique rides there at the time in this in the 1960s, early 1960s, and um, a lot of them just. Uh, I would say probably appealed to the creative part of me as a youngster, and that's kind of how I got hooked on amusement parks in general. I know Crescent Park was a really big park back in the heyday. Uh, in fact, the carousel was, is spoken to of a lot in Rhode Island uh, history. Now, where did you start following Rocky Point? Well, I didn't get there until uh, 1962. Uh, you got to remember the mentality back then. Uh, it wasn't that far from East Providence, but you had to go all the way around, basically, the bay to get there. You know, it was a lot quicker by boat if you had a boat, but from East Providence. But uh, So my grandmother actually took me and my younger brothers there in uh, June, I think, of 1962, just after we got out of school. And um, it was... I would say probably made a, a really big impression on me because it had a lot of rides that I hadn't seen at Crescent Park. And uh, I just became fascinated with it, probably because a lot of it had to do with the fact that it was, I considered it far away when, when in fact it really wasn't. So um, I would uh, ask for my birthdays and other special occasions if we could go there because it was considered a big trip just to go, you know, 45 minutes from East Providence to Warwick back then. And um, when I got older, uh, my parents would let me take a bus there, actually two buses, you know, uh, that you'd have to you'd pick one up from the outlet on weekends and go. And then um, once I got my driver's license, I would drive there. So uh, Present Park closed um, shortly, the year after I graduated from college, 1978. So really, from that point on, Rocky Point was the only 
amusement park that was in the state of Rhode Island, really, when you think about it. I mean, there was some smaller parks, but this was, you know, the um, the focus of, of uh, as far as amusement parks go uh, after Crescent Park closed. And Rocky Point was, uh, for those listening that may have never had the, the opportunity to go there, think of a... It was a big park, especially to small kids. With when you when you think back, how you know small it was, but big it was in your eyes. And it was a say a miniature version of a, uh, I guess a Six Flags or Cedar Point or some of the bigger parks that are familiar today. Uh, but they had a lot of things outside of the park gates as well that were really attracting people. Yeah, they had um, the Palladium uh, that. Uh, came in 1949, the year after the park reopened. The the, the park basically had a 10-year hiatus after the 1938 hurricane. Uh, A couple rides opened up after that that were close to the entrance, but by 1941, they were gone. And the land changed um, hands several times until a a trio of uh, businessmen bought it and reopened it. Uh, When they first reopened it, they weren't able to get the uh, palladium built in time, and they weren't able to get the swimming pool reopened, you know, because it, the damage it, that uh, the Hurricane of 38 inflicted. But they had the Palladium there, and um, it became so popular for events and concerts and, you know, whatever, uh, that they, in 1966, they added the Windjammer right next to it, a smaller rendition, I'd say, of the, the Palladium. So uh, their presidents came there, like President Bush came there to... Um, uh, for a fundraiser for Claudine Snyder, um, and uh, a lot of good concerts actually were there um, uh, in the Palladium. So it's 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 there's quite a a lot of history connected with that uh, building. And they had the short dinner hall on the side with a takeout window that was always being hawked by seagulls, and <laughs> and the uh, and the actual short dinner hall itself. Yeah, an interesting story about that was that the. All the short, the short dinner halls prior to the hurricane were all built on piers. There was several different ones, and then finally, I say around in 1930 or so, they had a, a real big one that they put out there. Now, that got destroyed by the 38 hurricane, completely obliviated, and um, there was um, some uh, argumentation with the, with the new owners that were going to rebuild the park for the 48 season, uh, over where the new Shaw Dental Hall should go. And I guess ultimately they decided to build that on a pier too, pretty much in the same location as the Shaw Dental Hall was, you know, prior to the hurricane. And wouldn't you know it, 1954, Hurricane Carol came along and uh, completely destroyed that Shaw Dental Hall. So two years later, in 1956, they cleared some land and they built the, the Shaw Dental Hall that we know and love. And they, you know, they put her uh, cane proof glass on it and you know built it up high so that it would um, you know withstand say hurricane winds and that's the one that uh, we all went to oh, and I know they had the clam cakes the chowder the the special meals I remember seeing the the menu which was uh, a much pricier cheap by today's standards where you could actually get lobster as well yeah yeah that was uh, I, I gotta be honest with you um not too many people in my circles uh, did that. Uh, the short dinners or the lobsters. It, it was basically clam cakes and chowder. Sure. The chowder that they used was just like addictive. Seriously, you could just. I mean, clam cakes were good, but the chowder was just 
unreal, you know, and, um, you know, you'd eat as much as you possibly could. It was always nice to, ha nice to have a uh, slice of watermelon uh, after you were done, which they would bring out when you were done with your uh, meal. And I know there was, uh, the pier's been rebuilt since, but there was a lot of fishing and boats tying up to the pier at the time? Yeah, I actually um, experienced that, okay. Um, one time with a uh, altar boy outing, they took us out on a boat, and we tied up there. And then um, another time, a friend of our family's had a boat, and they dropped us kids off. I was a teenager at the time, and he said, you know, be back by such and such because, you know, the boat leaves, you know. <laughs> so they weren't, these, as I remember it, the boats weren't able to, like, just dock there and stay there. They had to, leave, you know, drop people off, leave, and then, you know, come back at a certain time or something, you know. So uh, that was convenient, though, because, again, as I said earlier, uh, it was a lot quicker to go from the East Bay right across the water to uh, the uh, pier at Rocky Point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is a little bit of a rocky shoal out there, hence the name, but the, there was a pretty good port right there for, for small craft. And I know as you kind of round the bend, there was uh, a lot of housing back there, but between the park and the housing, there was a baseball field. Yeah, um, I'm not sure that baseball field was in the location of the original baseball field, where they actually they had amateur and professional ball, you know, um, that that ended though, like um, 1920 sometime, but um, they did build that for outings, basically, you know, and that it was, you know, utilized for that. If you know they, the the big company outings like uh, Electric Boat and Texas Instruments and so forth would come down, and they, you know, go out and play softball or baseball on that field. And if I recall correctly, I think there's a plaque there that talks about one day when Babe Ruth played there. Yeah, again, that was probably. That ball field was probably located a little bit further down by the water uh, as opposed to the one that, that you and I remember. And, yes, he did. He did play there as a member of the, I believe, the Providence Grays back then. And I know when I was a kid in Little League at Continental, they had batting cages in the far back where we would go a couple times a year to, to see fastballs. And when you're a 10- or 12-year-old kid, seeing 50, 60-mile-an-hour pitches, and all of a sudden, here comes the 70 or 80. There's a big difference, but it would be a, a real treat to go out there and, and hit a basket of balls. Absolutely, and uh, that originated on the Midway, right near the uh, the scooter, the bumper car building, and they, I think the concessionaire that ran it expanded it and then moved it out to the parking lot, and the thing I remember about that, because I was playing college baseball at the first time I ever used that, and it just it's, it just seemed like you it was impossible to hit like a ball over that net you know it, like, <laughs> like you see these fences they didn't seem that far away and you know I wanted to you know shoot for the fences but you just kept hitting like line drives into the top of that that uh, that net that protected the machine basically you know hit the ball hard but it wouldn't it wouldn't go anyplace. Yeah. <laughs> and I know uh, there was always that fun which is still there that on the exit ramp. There was always that fun hill that everybody would try to go as fast as they could and not bottom out their car when they came back down the other side. I know my father-in-law used to take the kids over and say, 10 cents, please, because that was the last ride out of the park, which I always thought was kind of a dangerous hill to have there. But Yeah. <laughs> and I know uh, just towards that side of the park, uh, inside the gates, there was a petting zoo for quite some time. Yeah, that, that um, at some point... 
uh, they actually cleared, they moved kitty land, okay, from the front of the park. I mean, when I first went there in 1962, uh, that's where kitty land was. And I, that, I believe that's where kitty land originated when the park reopened in 1948. And I think that was to appeal to the baby, baby boomer generation, you know, with the, well, with the, the kids. We, we were kids then, you know. But um, towards the mid-60s, they basically um, decided they were going to put another a big ride there. And we, knew, we weren't too sure what it was going to be, but they moved all the kiddie rides over to um, uh, where that petting zoo is, okay? It, like in the back of the park. That's actually used where the uh, original wildcat wild coaster used to, used to be before it got destroyed by the hurricane. And at the same time, they put a petting zoo in there. And there was, I think there was a slight upcharge for that, but... Um, by you know today's standards it, it wasn't much, but um, you know it seemed like the younger kids really enjoyed that. But the, yeah, there was uh, they, they had uh, a goats there you could pet, and some animals like tigers and others like yeah, little baby elephants and so forth. You really couldn't, but you could get very close to them. Well, I uh, share a story. When I worked there one summer, uh, I was in security, and we had a a big concert that was there. I think at the time it was Tom Petty who has, was just kind of up and coming, but had a well-known following. And I was working along the fence line of the petting zoo on the outside. A gentleman came over and thought I was just going to hop the fence and said, oh, well, you know, are you going to hop the fence? I said, no, that wouldn't be a good idea. And he didn't realize I was park security. And I said, you know, you, you probably want to go pay. But he decided he was going to hop the fence and he got halfway over. And I shined my flashlight at him and I put my security hat on and said, you need to come down off the fence. And I said, I'm not going to arrest you, but you can't hop the fence here. It's not a good idea. And he said, well, well, I'm going to go anyway. Nothing you can do. I said, oh, I won't be doing anything. He jumped down, and I heard a snort. And he said, what the heck is that? And he didn't realize that he jumped into the bull's pen. And that bull didn't like anybody except Russ, the old cop that used to work there, who used to feed him. That bull chased him around, and I got on the radio. I said, there's a guy in the bullpen. He, he's not going to last long. <laughs> and he got hit a couple times. But uh, it, it, was a, it was a nice little petting zoo. Yeah, I guess he uh, wasn't warming up in the bullpen to come <laughs> into the game. <laughs> he was not going to make the extra innings. No. <laughs> so, George, um, talk to us a little bit about uh, some of the, the first of types of rides that were there in the park. Um, if you're going back uh, to the uh, early, like I'd say probably in the early 1900s, and even maybe before that, actually um, in the late 1800s, they brought in a carousel uh, that was right at the end of the pier. It wasn't on the pier, but it was as you came off the, the pier onto land. And um, they also had a, a, a Ferris wheel that was actually the, the cars on the Ferris wheel were the wooden chariots that you would find on the carousel. Okay, so they were on the, they were on the Ferris wheel. And those were the, the, maybe the first two rides that, 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 were, that I'm aware of anyways that, that were there. And if the, you, you talked about Crescent Park earlier. We talked about that. And the carousel uh, was carved by uh, Charles Luff, and he actually... Uh, did the carving for that carousel that was there at Rocky Point and also those chariots that were on that um, Ferris wheel. And I know they had uh, they had the, the old wooden coaster 
And I recall uh, one of the first ones that I'd ever seen was the triple Ferris wheel. Well, it was actually or a double Ferris yeah, wheel. Yeah, double Ferris wheel. Yeah, it's called a sky wheel. And uh, that ride had originated a long time ago by the Allen Herschel Company out of uh, upstate New York. And they sold their assets to Chance uh, Manufacturing. And that's the one who supplied that ride there. It, it, um, and that has a real cult following. I mean, I don't, I don't recall it being there maybe more than 10 years but uh, that was an awesome ride. That was just something else, and they sold it um, at, at some point. It, it was beautiful to be up on the top, and I was fortunate to be within a couple of buckets of the old ultimate top, which was scary the first time, but the ride had stopped for some problem, and to, I, I think to align something, and we could see, I mean, when you say you could see for miles, what a view from the top up there. I'd never been that high a, and had that much of a view before. At the time, I'd never been on a plane, so it was just gorgeous. Yeah, the uh, traditional Ferris wheel they had there, uh, made by Eli Bridge, the one that was near the arcade, you got a pretty good view from there because you're up a higher, uh, you know, higher ground-wise, you know, that you could be able to see pretty good. And that has an interesting story, too, that one, because it actually came off its axis during the 54 hurricane and crashed into uh, a building, game stand i think and they repaired it they they uh passed all the safety inspections and got it right back on to, to its axis again and got it running for the uh the next season wow george our, our time's about up i would love to have you back to talk about the fun houses and haunted houses if you'd like to come back we'd love that absolutely i would say george if you'd like to tell people where they could find your website and a lot of information about amusement parks well, uh, f uh, for dock rides and fun houses, uh, I'm the editor of laughinthedock.com. That's L-A-F-F, inthedock.com. And uh, if you'd like to join the Rocky Point Facebook group, it's a private group, but all you have to do basically is answer some questions, okay, to, to gain membership. And uh, you can find it on Facebook. It's Rocky Point Park Remembered with an explanation point next to it. Fantastic. Thank you to George LaCrosse for spending some time with our audience today and sharing insights on Warwick life. It's a great time to be in Warwick. For those not living the Warwick life, come pay us a visit. Stop by George's website and Facebook page to remember Rocky Point and see what we have to offer. That wraps up another edition of Warwick Life on Warwick Radio. If you have any comments, content suggestions, or questions, drop us a line at warwicklife at gmail.com. Thank you to Tester Manuelian for our lead-in in closing music. She's a music major with an incredible career ahead of her. Lastly, don't forget to check out Warwick Center for the Arts at warwickcfa.org. See you next time. You're listening to Warwick Radio Online. The voice of Warwick, Rhode Island.